You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast. It is now Tuesday morning, October 12th, Year of Our Lord 2021. Unfortunately, I am also recording this on Tuesday morning. I had a fear this would happen. As you know, we're in our new building now, so we're downtown. Well, that for me means the office is precariously close to my apartment, which means I can go home anytime I want to. Unlike the bomb shelter office, which was down in Brentwood, which is about 20 minutes south of town, at which point, if I was there, I was there. It was kind of an island. I was off in the middle of the ocean, and I had no choice but to record this podcast the night before and then go home, whereas now there's that voice in the back of your head that says, go on, you're a little tired, go home. You can always do it tomorrow morning. Well, as has been well established, it sounds like there's a massive chunk of peanut butter in the back of my throat when I talk in the morning, as you're hearing right now. We got to deal with it. I'm going to peer pressure myself and ask for help from my colleagues and listeners. Peer pressure me into doing this thing the night before, and we'll see how Thursday goes. TBD. But look, here's the deal. Some early thanks in the podcast. I don't know exactly how many of you it is, but we're adding a lot of people every episode we do now. We got a lot of new people, which is why you hear me reminding everyone what exactly this is. Well, here's what it is. We do Late Kick Live Sunday night, Tuesday night, and Thursday night on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. If you want to watch it there, you can watch it there. You also get a version of that in your podcast feed the next morning. However, on Tuesday and Thursday mornings, we do an exclusive podcast-only mailbag, which you're listening to right now. We like to call it the Late Kick Extra Podcast. You submit questions for it. You can do it on Twitter and Instagram, at Late Kick Josh, and we have a lot of fun with it. This has also become sort of a an outlet for all the stories from the previous weekend, Travel-wise, especially, and what a weekend this was, by the way. Whoa, what a weekend. Could have been a lot worse, though, so I'm not complaining. But this has become where we kind of decompress that, and that's been something that, strangely, you guys have latched on to. I, I can't tell you how that's grown, that question or comment that, oh, can't wait to hear about this on Tuesday. Well, here we are. We're going to do it. Uh, I'm going to do it probably about five minutes from now. Going to get a couple of questions out of the way because there are some pressing issues. But let's dive into the mailbag. And I've, I've also got something. I'm looking at it right now. It's over on the counter. Our friends at Academy Sports sent me something. I actually don't have any reason to hide it from you. So I told them, hey, guys, I want to be able to give away free stuff. And they said, well, okay, what you want? And I said, I don't know, send me a ton of gift cards. And they did. I mean, I got them in the mail yesterday. Really weird. It felt like winning the lottery. I just opened up a big envelope, and there are tons of gift cards in there, 25 a pop. So here's what's about to happen. I'm headed to Knoxville, Tennessee Saturday. Well, I'm actually going to be there before that, but I'm going to be in town for the Tennessee Ole Miss game. Looking forward to that. I have not been to Neyland in several years. Looking forward to it. And I'm also looking forward to seeing you guys. Now, I have tons of interaction with you every week, but so far, it's just been a handshake or a picture or, hey, I love the show. Thank you so much for listening to the show. But now, at least until I run out, at least until my pockets are empty, it's going to be, hey, picture, love the show. Oh, by the way, here, go get you some free stuff at Academy Sports. So I told you, I to- I'm wagging my finger right now. Picture it. I'm wagging my finger. I told you they're coming through for us. This is not just some random ad partnership. We have to clear it. I have to clear it. It stops here. I get to decide who our advertisers are, and we chose 
to work with Academy Sports. It is a very atypical relationship. I did not want a normal sponsor. I didn't just want to say, and this portion of the podcast brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. For all your outdoor sporting goods supplies, visit Academy at Academy.com today. I didn't want to do that. That wasn't time-lapsed either. I've just heard that garbage for so many years listening to other podcasts. I didn't want it to be like that. So we have a special thing going on with Academy, and I have some plans for some much bigger things that they can be a part of down the road. So let's dive into the mailbag this morning. As you can imagine, a lot of you wanted to know about Texas A&M beating Alabama. A lot of our Bama fans want to know, is it over? Is it just time to move on to 2022? What do we do with this team? Lifeless, no leadership, can't catch the ball, can't make a tackle, can't plug a gap to save their lives. Well, friends, let's come together here like we normally do. Okay, let's close the door behind us so there's no interference. Let's just talk amongst ourselves. Was it really that bad? I mean, by Alabama standards, yeah, if Alabama's 2021 team was playing Bama 2020, it would have been ugly. But as we have long since discussed and established on this show, that is not the standard any team should be held to. Bama's been treated differently because they've been the top program for a long time. And so when people look at them, they have allowed their subconscious mind to change the standard. They move the goalpost with Bama. Since their kickers don't miss kicks anymore, people move the goalpost on Alabama. And so nowadays, it's when Alabama struggles, oh man, they're overrated. Told you they weren't that great. What do you mean they weren't that great? Well, look at, they lost a game. Cool. (laughs) All right. It does happen. It has happened before. You're judging them based on the 2020 team and the 2017 team and the 15 team and et cetera, et cetera. That's not the way to do it. Now, this is not a flawless Alabama team. There are plenty of flaws. I talked about that the other night, but this is the classic two things can be true type scenario that I find myself discussing a lot here because it's often true. It's often the case. Two things are true. Alabama's a flawed team. Alabama can still win a national championship. I really, I went back and watched this game last night because I knew we were going to talk about it a lot this morning. And I really... Don't know that I've seen an Alabama team fail to execute at that level in quite a while. Now, they still almost won the game. I mean, they led with, a what, a minute to go or something like that? So it was still within their grasp. But I know what the flip side of that coin is. The flip side of that coin is, okay, Josh, but you know what you just said? You just said, hey, they almost beat a team that just lost to Mississippi State and Arkansas and was playing their backup quarterback and only hung 10 on Colorado. Well, in a way, I am saying that. But I also, if you have a football eye, there's no way you watched that game and thought, yep, that's the same old Zach Calzada, Bama just sucks. Like, really? Can we get a little more nuance than that? Can we add a little bit more context than that? Had that A&M team, with that effort and that level of execution, showed up against Mississippi State, I'm telling you they wouldn't be toting an L from that game. Ditto for Arkansas. Ditto, well, they won the Colorado game. They'd have a whole lot more than a three-point win over Colorado. So again, let's understand the context here. Alabama got their fastball. Really tough place to play. Kyle Field's an insane place. Okay, but they still lost the game. So now let's get back on track. And What were we talking about there? The level of execution from Alabama. Number one, at the wide receiver position, dropping way too many balls. Number two, they are not what they need to be on the defensive line. I think some of that's personnel, but I'm telling you right now, talking to some coaches yesterday, one in particular, not at Alabama, I'm talking about coaches in general, they pointed out, they noticed immediately, Bama just playing two defensive linemen the entire game. Uh, Our buddies at College Football Nerds. I want to say it was them that pointed this out too. Bama played a 2-4-5 most of the night. And sure enough, you go back and watch it, and you're seeing two down linemen, and then you're seeing Will Anderson, and I want to say Dallas Turner, who's a true freshman outside linebacker, no less, were on the field most of the time. And guess what happened? What happened was that Texas A&M offensive line got to the second level. 
They got up on linebackers. I know Toa Toa did not look good. I know Christian Harris did not look good. But guys, there are very few linebackers who look good when they got a 320-pound guard in their face. That's not the way it's supposed to happen. In the vintage Alabama defense, you've got four legitimate down linemen, and they can take up that offensive line to where that linebacking core can roam free. And it's really easy to flow left and right. It's really easy to plug those gaps when you don't have anything else to do but that. But what I came away thinking about the game was different, apparently, than even a lot of our Bama listeners. Because the Bama listeners, I, I know a couple. I know a couple back home. I know a couple in particular that when things go wrong in the slightest of ways for Alabama, it's, oh, screw it, season's over. And I don't quite look at Bama that way. Right tackle is a huge issue for them right now, especially in pass pro against a more elite edge rusher. True enough. Drop balls were a problem last night. I haven't seen them be a massive problem all year. True enough. That just stands to reason it'll improve moving forward. And thirdly, yeah, I do not think defensively they are the caliber that I thought they would be at the beginning of the year. But now just keep in mind, a guy that was on the field, a guy like Dallas Turner, was on the field as a true freshman in that environment because Drew Sanders was out. Well, Drew Sanders will be back. Malachi Moore on a targeting penalty, which was deserved, sadly, early in the game, is out. Well, that's why you saw a guy like Brian Branch being run by. He was playing an abnormal position for himself. And my point there is you don't take the loss away. That's football, man. Guys going out of games, guys getting hurt, uh, guys not executing, that's football. What we're trying to ask ourselves here is, do we think that product from Alabama will be duplicated again one or two times moving forward? I don't believe that. I'm not telling you they're going to win the title. I'm telling you they're going to be right in the middle of that title picture throughout the duration. I do think that. What I question is I question why a true sophomore is the voice of that team. I question why Will Anderson is the one who sounds the most like Nick Saban. I don't hear it a whole lot from those other guys. And that's not the first time that's happened with an organization an organization, in this case a football team, has incurred a lot of success, and then the pieces to that success move on, and then it's time for someone else who didn't have to build it. They just came in and reaped the rewards of it. Now they got to take the mantle, and sometimes it's really hard to do it, especially if it's not normal for you, especially if you don't have it in you to be that alpha-type leader. I think they're struggling a bit with that. I think there are some guys on that team struggling to find a voice, and you got to be a performer, too. You can't be the voice if you're not out there on the field. You can't do it. I mean, if you're a backup long snapper, you can have the best heart in the world. You can have the best motivational tactics, and you can say all the right things. You're not the voice, man. You're, you're just not. I don't really care. But this Saturday is important for them. I'm going to tell you what I think. What I think is they'll flip a switch. I think they're going to go on a little bit of a run here. I do think either this weekend or after this weekend, and they go into the bye week coming out of that, you're going to see some of those younger receivers. They got to get them ready. I mean, they are way too good in terms of pure raw talent in that receiver room for those guys not to be on the field. They're just all new. They just came in this last class. They're all young. I mean, they're all true freshmen. They got to get them on the field. It's happened at Bama before. It needs to happen again. I don't know about secondary. I think they have some really talented kids in the secondary room too. I don't necessarily know if the guys they have match the positions they need filled. Kool-Aid McKinstry, for example, is a corner. Well, they have not been terrible at corner. They haven't lit the world on fire, a few too many flags, but they haven't been terrible at corner. Safety is where they've needed more help, and it's just harder, believe it or not, to have freshmen ready to play that spot than it is to have freshmen ready to play corner. Look around. How many true freshman safeties you see relative to corner? You don't Rarely do you see either, but you see more corners than safeties. So my, my hunch is they're going to go on a little bit of a run here 
that makes you look back at that game and say, wow, it kind of all came together that night in the worst of ways. Turns out Bama never dropped that many balls again. Bama didn't throw those picks in the end zone again. Bama didn't uh, fail to execute the most inopportune of times again. Bama didn't give up another kick return again. True enough, all those things count. I'm just telling you, I don't think that result will be duplicated again. So if they end up playing, let's say, Georgia down the road in the SEC title game, Georgia may beat them, but I don't think it'll be for the same reasons they lost the other night. That's all I'm saying. Jeff asked, do I think the Big Ten's overrated? We are moving on now, in case that's not clear. Next question, Jeff, is the Big Ten overrated? I don't ever know what people mean by this, Jeff. <laughs> so uh, by overrated, now I got to admit something. I never look at the AP poll, so you guys know what it is more than me. I am pulling it up as we speak. Actually, I'm going to pause recording, and I'm back. Sounds like that took no time at all, didn't it? Uh, yeah, so this is crazy to look at. So I was at two. Ohio State's at six, Penn State seven, Michigan eight, Michigan State at 10. How many do they have? They got one, two, three, four. They got five teams in the top 10. I know this is probably old news to you guys. I literally don't care about the AP, so I don't look at this all that often. Well, I'm going to tell you this, Jeff. I don't think that five Big Ten teams are among the 10 best teams in the country if we're just talking power ratings. But then again, that's not what all polls are about. I always have to delineate this when it comes to releasing the JP poll, which I'll do tonight. Too much angst and bitterness and gnashing of teeth, might I add, uh, because people don't realize this simple concept. A power rating is only what a model or a, a Vegas odds maker would rate a game on a neutral field tomorrow. It doesn't care if you've got three losses or you're undefeated. It only cares what would we favor on a neutral field tomorrow. A, a ranking, like an AP poll, you got to have Iowa up here really high. I won't have Iowa number two or number three in the JP poll tonight because there are way more than that many teams that would be favored over them on a neutral field tomorrow. But in an AP poll or in a playoff ballot, if I were on the playoff committee, that doesn't matter because that's not the way sports work. The way sports work, the way awards work in sports is you earn them on the field. And so I understand both camps. Some people think I don't when I'm power rating and I put Iowa at number 10, even though they're undefeated. No, I get it. I question whether if you're arguing with me, you get it, but I get it. I'm telling you what I would do in one scenario. Well, then in the other scenario, if you give me an AP ballot, I'm looking at Iowa number two. I do not have a problem with that. In fact, I probably have them number two. Uh, Let's see. Ohio State is number six. I can tell you right now, uh, we've got Ohio State no lower than third in the JP poll. Vegas would favor Ohio State by over a touchdown against every other team in the Big Ten right now. Do you know that? By at least eight points, as a matter of fact, they would favor Ohio State against any team in the Big Ten, neutral field tomorrow. If they played in Indianapolis for the Big Ten title tomorrow, Buckeyes by over a touchdown. Now, that's the power rating world. That's the world I choose to live in. But in the ranking world, should they be ahead of Iowa? No, they should not because they've already lost a game and they've played a comparable enough schedule to where I think that they should be punished for that. That's fine. But they are at number six. I don't have a problem with that. Penn State dropped to number seven. Don't have a problem with that. Michigan is undefeated there at eight. A little bit softer strength of schedule so far. I really think it's an underrated win they got the other night against Nebraska. Uh, Michigan State's number 10. I don't really have a problem with this. I'm looking at it. I'm I'm asking which team is, is lofted up there that shouldn't be up there. I don't really see one. So I don't have a problem with this. No, I do not think, Jeff, that the Big Ten is overrated. In order for them to be overrated, you can't just say it in a vacuum. I'm not talking to you, Jeff. I'm speaking generally now. 
This has long been my problem with Notre Dame. I think I've said this a dozen times on this podcast, but how many times have you heard, or maybe how many times have you said in the past, oh, Notre Dame's overrated? Oh, Notre Dame's in, they're in the playoff. They shouldn't be in the playoff. They're overrated. Oh, I told you, look at that playoff result. Notre Dame got beat by Alabama. I knew they were overrated. That's not being overrated, guys. It's not overrated when you lose to a team that's rated higher than you. It's not overrated when you're not measuring up to teams rated higher than you. That's being properly rated. When you're overrated, it means you're achieving less than the teams behind you, and you're not as good as the teams behind you. Well, that hasn't been Notre Dame. In these playoff scenarios, when they've gone in as the four seed and they lose to Alabama, that's not proof that they were overrated because Alabama would have done that to whoever else you put in that number four spot. Notre Dame has been the most properly rated team, I think, in America over the last several years. I've watched them and I have observed this entire narrative, there's that word, of them being overrated, and I've laughed at it. They've been totally properly rated. They've been absolutely where they're supposed to be. And likewise with the Big Ten here, if you're going to tell me they're overrated, you got to go find me the teams that are supposed to be ahead of them. So right now, Michigan State's number 10. Who am I supposed to have ahead of them? Kentucky, which is number 11? That's semantics. You could argue 10, 11, 11, 10. I mean, that's basically the same thing. But who else is supposed to be up here? Coastal Carolina? Absolutely not. I'm not even having that conversation. Is Oklahoma State supposed to be ahead of them? I don't think so. Why would they be? And you could just keep going and keep going. Like, where are these teams, this group of teams that should be rated ahead or ranked, I guess, ahead of the Big Ten that makes them overrated? I think the term overrated is totally misused and mischaracterized because I think it's that same kind of syndrome that a lot of folks get when they're talking about Bama. When people say, oh, Alabama's overrated, they're not even talking about that year. Like I said, they're talking about Bama this year compared to Bama teams of years past. And so right now, when you look at the Big Ten in 2021, having five teams in the top 10 and your default is, oh, they're overrated, I just walked you through it and you didn't have a rebuttal for me that was at least strong of who should be ahead of them. That's not where your mind's at. Where your mind is at is, I just know historically what my mind says the top 10 should look like, and I don't think there are five teams in the Big Ten that warrant top 10 according to what my mind defines as top 10. But that is not the scale we go on. The scale we go on is relegated just to that given year. And in this particular year right now, it is warranted to have five Big Ten teams up here. Now, as we all know, this is a moot point or a mute point because they're all going to have to play each other, so it doesn't really matter. They're going to whack-a-mole each other out of there. But right now, Jeff, no, I don't think they're overrated. I cannot believe that my alarm is going off. Mm, mm, mm. Just irresponsibility. This is the price you pay for recording in the morning. Oh, I know why it's going off. i got to do the Jordy Collada show in just a couple of minutes. See, this is another reason, kids. Out there, kiddos, when you get your own podcast, listen to Uncle Josh, listen to UJ, and I am telling you, record at night. At night, everyone's in bed. You crank it up about 11 o'clock. You don't get flooded with alarms and radio hits, which I'm blessed to be able to do, by the way. But it's all free and clear. Your voice sounds great. You feel great. It's the last thing you do before you go to bed. You get to wake up in the morning and say, ah, I don't have to do anything. As you can tell, I live a tough, tough life over here. So yeah, there, there you go, Jeff. That's my whole Big Ten overrated, not overrated spiel. I got to tell you something about this past weekend. It was fun. Dallas, it was fun. 
Knoxville coming up this Saturday night. Gonna be fun. Checker Neeland, it's happening. And so you guys always in mass, there's no one individual that asked this, several of you asked, about the past weekend and the Cotton Bowl. I mean, I came out and flat out said, that's the best regular season college football game I've ever seen in person. Notice the last two, in person. And some of you argued, as you are prone to do, you're literally arguing whether my opinion is accurate to me or not, but it's all in good fun. And so I'm going to discuss that right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, story from the past weekend. And it is layered, guys. It is layered. So if you don't like excitement, but also car breakdowns and then borderline missed flights and then heartbreak and jubilation, but disappointment in oneself, this is not the story for you. The other 99% of you, here we go. As you know, I went to the Cotton Bowl. I went to Oklahoma, Texas. However, there is an extreme shortage of rental cars in Dallas, among other U.S. cities. But I've dealt with it in Dallas twice over the last month. When COVID was happening, apparently, as it's been explained to me, no one was traveling. Now, that's understandable. That means cars weren't being rented. Well, that also apparently precipitated them selling off a lot of their fleet. Well, now everyone's traveling again. And lo and behold, there aren't cars to rent for everyone. So I try and rent, and even a week ahead of time, there are no cars in Dallas. So I say, okay, where can I fly to? I'm on Friday time. I don't have to go in there day of. Fortunately, CBS lets me travel ahead of time. So I go into Austin. Okay, all well and good. Fly into Austin, land, no problem. Get to the car rental terminal, no problem. Get out of there, no problem. Headed north on I-35. Traffic is rough, but that's to be expected because I am leaving the city where the University of Texas is in, driving to the city where the game is in. But it's Friday, no rush. And then all of a sudden, in Waco, Texas, we hear it. (coughs) And by we, I mean you and I. There's no one in the car with me. I'm not with a crew. It's just me. It's the middle of the night, and that tire blows out. I don't know if I shared a picture with you guys. I'll have to share a picture. It's It's not a typical nail in the tire. It's not a typical blowout. The entire sidewall of the tire blew out. Like I got hit with a bazooka. An entire sidewall of a tire blows out. And so I pull up on the median on I-35. 
I call roadside assistance because, to be honest, I don't know what the protocol is about changing a rental car tire. Well, to my surprise, at like 9 or 10 o'clock on a Friday night, no one was answering the phone for roadside assistance. Again, shocking. And so here goes your boy. We open the trunk of our beautiful Prius. Hey, it, it makes no noise under five miles an hour, but its tires do explode on you. So, you know, pick your poison there. And I pull out the donut and here we go. And I say, you know what? I've changed tires before. I can just feel my way through this. Well, guys, I don't know if you've ever tried to do something that you've always had illumination for in the dark. And I want you to keep your minds out of the gutter when I'm talking here. But when you're trying to do that thing that you've always been able to see in the dark, it gets a lot more difficult. And I'm going to reiterate, keep your mind out of the gutter as we continue, because the metaphors are only going to become more and more obvious if you're not thinking the right way. And so I take the eye, Josh, and I pull my suitcase. This is all happening on the side of a crowded interstate. I pull the suitcase out. I lean the eye, Josh, up against the suitcase. I turn the flashlight on. And there we go. You can't exactly see it from space, but I have enough illumination and I go to change in the tire. And then a lady pulls up on the curb. And I don't know if she listens to the podcast. She did not recognize me, didn't really care at that point. And she pulls up and she says, is this good enough? And then I pointed to my cell phone. She is using her headlights to help me. And I pointed to the cell phone and said, nah, I got it. Because I was worried that bad guys were going to kidnap me. Now, it turns out she wasn't a bad guy. But you know about the bad guys. You always got to watch out for the bad guys. So I did not get kidnapped. I said, you can go on, lady. I got it. So thank you. Thank you to whoever that lady was. But the eye, Josh, was providing enough light. So I changed the tire out. And it's not a normal tire. Of course, it's a donut. I still got about 110 miles or so to go. And I am not about to drive 50 miles an hour because I've got to do Friday night lines. I got to do the Instagram live that we do for the gambling stuff. And so I say, Donut, I had a little talk with it right there on the side of the road. I said, Donut, you will be heaving and huffing and puffing, and you will have all the frosting off of you, Donut, by the time we get to Dallas, but we're about to get after it, so I hope you're ready. We tightened your lug nuts. You good to go? And it didn't say anything. It didn't say no. So I took that to mean yes. And so off we go up 35. Never had another problem with the tire. We get to the game. The game itself, I have told you, and I'll say it again, it's now Tuesday, so we're 72 hours removed. It is the best regular season game I've ever seen in person. I stopped short of saying it's the best game only because the consequences on a national championship game obviously add something that a regular season game has a difficult time obtaining. But if we're just talking about a football game void of what title is on the line, it's the best game I've ever seen in person. And I saw the 2017 Georgia-Bama title game in person. This, this, okay, let me say this. This compared to that. I'm not going to give one the crown over the other. This compared to that. Here's the awesome thing about the Cotton Bowl, and here's why I think even though that game is hyped up, I think it's still underrated. There are no luxury suites in the Cotton Bowl. And I'd always seen the Cotton Bowl on TV, but I just never thought about it. When I walked in, and I'm used to walking in stadiums and seeing sort of the same thing, at, at eye level, you see the lower level, and then your gaze starts to go up, and you see the luxury suite level, then the upper levels. Well, in the Cotton Bowl, it's lower level, upper level. There are no luxury suites. To the point where, as I said during Late Kick Live Sunday night, Mark Cuban, who is a certified billionaire, I was standing next to him. You're either going to be in the stands on a metal bleacher or you're going to be standing on the field. There is no other option. And what that does is it limits the bow tie sweater vest crowd from being there. And it keeps diehards there. Folks who don't care about sweating to death on a metal bleacher, diehard fans are the loudest fans in general. I'm not saying you can't scream if you're wearing a bow tie. I'm not saying you can't be rowdy if you're wearing a sweater vest. I'm just saying most of you wouldn't be. 
Let's put it that way. And so, uh, man, it was crazy. I mean, absolutely insane. I just, I could not paint a better setting. Weather was great, a little hot, but weather was great. The split for the crowd, the dynamics of the acoustics in there, every play, it goes from one side screaming to the other side screaming because there were points aplenty. And so you got the one crowd screaming for noise on defense and then ball snapped and then big play and the other side of the stadium screaming. It's really amazing. So much gunfire because everybody in that game has some sort of artillery associated with their celebration. It was awesome. I mean, awesome. You're totally spent. And I'm used to going to night games. I love the noon kickoff. I know a lot of you don't. I love the noon kickoff. And it was weird because I do pregame and postgame live hits for CBS Sports HQ. And I'm used to being there with our buddy Big Game Dane, who I'll talk about more in a second. And I'm used to getting ready to do that post game and it's the middle of the night and then we're, we're about to drive home or, or head to the airport in the middle of the night. And it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. Sun's still out. It's so weird, but we're standing there getting ready to go live with Hakeem Dermish there on CBS sports HQ. Love Hakeem, by the way, big Hakeem Dermish guy. And so you're standing in a place where you have heard nonstop deafening noise for four hours and you've heard cannon fire and gunfire for four hours and it's totally empty. And the loudest sound is the sound of plastic water bottles blowing down the stands because it's breezy in there. And it's just the sound of hundreds of water bottles echoing all throughout the building because there's enough of them being blown around. And it's just that kind of sound. And I don't know how to explain it. It's If you've ever been in a place where you know at one time there was a ton of noise, like if you were standing in the middle of Daytona International Speedway, and you know that when a race is going on there, it's so loud, but if it was empty, your mind probably starts to fill in what the noise must be like. That's what it's like standing in the Cotton Bowl after the game. You just hear a bunch of plastic bottles, and it's breezy, and otherwise, I mean, you could hear individual voices if they were yelling. But an hour before that, this place was deafening. You couldn't hear someone yell at you if they were standing five feet from you. So it's, I just love that kind of stuff. So we do the live hit. We get out of there. So big game dame who is the camera guy I was working with there. I was also with him a couple of weeks ago when we were in Dallas. Big game, Dane, before the game, you got to understand it's close quarters on the sideline. And so when we're picking out our spot and we're going to do that pregame hit, it's not like we walk up, do it, and leave. You got to get that thing set up. It takes him, and he's as quick as anyone, but it still takes minimum 10 minutes to get all the things you have to get set up for a live shot set up. And it's fancy. He even had a sunscreen over me. It was great because I can't have this forehead getting sunburned. It happens very quickly. And so it takes 10 minutes minimum, and you got to do that 30 minutes before the live hit. So you're staking out a spot for about an hour. And uh, the I'm not going to specify which team, but one of the team's cheerleaders came up, and they wanted to stake out the same spot. And Big Game Dane had to tell him in no uncertain terms, you got to take your pom-poms elsewhere. This is our spot. And we, we vacated it in plenty of time, but that was pregame. Then postgame, you know, you got to walk out of the Cotton Bowl, and you're walking straight through the Texas State Fair. And funnel cakes and corn dogs everywhere, but you also have to get through the gate. And we walk up, and the security didn't want to let us through the gate, which is, of course, ridiculous because there was no one standing around. And so they said, nope, you guys are going to have to go around. They were trying to make us walk about an extra quarter mile. And Big Game Dane said, eh, we're actually going to go through right here. And so Big Game Dane is part technician, part producer, part muscle. It's always great to have a guy who has an acronym, BGD. It's always great to have him on the road. That way, all you have to do is just stand there and talk about football. And he's over there like Secret Service, talking into his shirt sleeve every two or three minutes and taking care of this problem and taking care of that problem. So BGD, invaluable asset, invaluable. 
I'm also told a few of his colleagues listen to this podcast. So I am going to great lengths to praise him for that very reason. So anyway, we get out of there. And this is where the story really takes a sad turn. I have a decision to make. We're out of there by 4 o'clock, probably about 4.30. And I have that rental car. Now, I do have a donut on it. But I am about 15 minutes away from Dallas Love. That's where I'm flying out of. I could change that on a moment's notice. CBS lets us do that. But I can either go over to the airport and go home, or I could make the three-hour trek, about two and a half hours, three hours of traffic down to College Station, because I also have in my hand a sideline pass for Texas A&M Alabama. I chose to go to the airport because I fully believed Alabama was going to blow A&M out of the water. And so there I am, taking off in the air, watching Texas A&M about the time I landed in Nashville, was about the time that they're storming the field there. And you know, back in the day when your dad would tell you, I'm not mad at you, I'm just disappointed, and that made your heart sink lower? Well, I sunk my own heart. Because when I got back in my apartment, I looked in the mirror and I channeled 20-year-old Josh, 10-year-old Josh. And younger me said, older Josh, I'm not even mad at you. I'm a little proud of you, actually. Good for you for making it to this level. I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed And I want you to know that I am disappointed in you. So after all that talk in the preseason of the fact that we were going to be able to formulate a memorable road trip experience, talked about it in July, talked about it in August, ended up not following through on it because I didn't think it would be worthwhile. Uh, It turns out that we dropped the ball. I mean, it was still a great day, but we dropped the ball on potentially a historic day. And that's on me. I'm shouldering that blame. So we got to regroup. I let you down. I let me down. I let everyone down. I let my dog back home down. I let everyone down. And so we got to regroup. So we're heading to Knoxville Saturday, and it's going to be Ole Miss, Tennessee. The over-under is 80. Uh, Stands to reason we should have fireworks aplenty. I did not choose Kentucky, Georgia, because it did not meet as much of our criteria as Ole Miss and Tennessee would meet. I laid that out in the preseason. We want to see the most competitive game possible. I want to see as many teams as possible. We want to see as many classic fourth quarters as possible. And we want to see as many venues as possible. So I've already seen Georgia one time this year. It's almost a certainty I'll see them again. I have not been able to see Tennessee yet this year. I have not been to Neyland in several years. The line on the Georgia game is over three touchdowns, which I believe is largely valid, whereas the line on the Tennessee Ole Miss game is at three, three and a half. It's also Lane Kiffin's first return to Knoxville. So it just checks more of our boxes. But that was a fun weekend. Fun, fun weekend. I'm telling you, if you ever get a chance to go to the Red River Shootout, just go. It's underrated. Even as they hype it up, To the nth degree, I think it's still underrated. You just have to experience it, though. I'd watch it on TV. So I've seen as much as you could see from afar. you got to experience it in person. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're following on Twitter and Instagram, at LateKickJosh. There are going to be several ways that I'm giving all this free stuff away from Academy. you got to make sure you're following. Also checking up on Best Bets and any other odds and ends we get into on social media. There's a lot going on. If you want to relive the Red River Shootout, by the way, I have it highlighted. I have everything that I recorded saved in an Instagram story highlight. So you go on my profile on Instagram, at Josh, just find the OU Texas little bubble there, and watch that. Because I had so many first-person right in the end zone shots of a lot of those touchdowns and post-game and pre-game and stuff. Awesome. The best Instagram story highlight I probably have on there. Also, all of the out-of-context late kicks that I've done over the last year are on there too. It would probably take you an hour to watch them. But if you're ever bored, I'd check those out too. All right, let me get this sent off to Jordan. For Producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. Have yourselves a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you tonight on Late Kick Live. Until then, God bless.